Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Cavs Talk. My name's Kyle Murray, and I'm here with my co-host, Mark Canterbury. How's it going, Mark? Real good. Can't complain, Kyle. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm excited. We've got basketball coming back soon. Um, I wasn't really expecting this quick of a turnaround from last year's postseason to maybe starting the season around Christmas time this year, and seems like maybe even preseason for a couple games before that. But I'm excited. We've got the draft coming up in a couple days. Excited to see what the Cavs do. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy because in a lot of ways it's it's sooner than we expected, but later than we expected as well. Because the draft was supposed to be back in what June, July, and now here we are, in November, finally having it. So that's really exciting. But on the other hand, season just ended, you know, a couple months ago, and already December twenty second, we're, we're we're starting back up. Speaking of which, I'd like to give a quick shout out to King James over there in L.A. and the Lakers for holding it down, winning his fourth ring, trying to be one of them on Mount Rushmore. So got to give credit where credit's due. We'll always have love for LeBron here on Cavs Talk. I think Kyle and I both feel very strongly about that. But unfortunately, we are not the Los Angeles Lakers. Far from it. We are the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this is our our, our big day is the draft. So we got to... Uh, we got a lot to cover here today. I'm really excited to talk about talk about a lot of different stuff in terms of you know who we might pick, who we think is a good pick, and then Kyle and I will get into what we think is best. So yeah, it's, it should be excited. I, I I am also excited. Yeah, safe to say we're all excited here. I know we had introduced ourselves in the past on this podcast, but with it being a new year, probably want to do that again. So just to give a brief introduction, my name's Kyle Murray. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I currently live in Columbus, Ohio. Still have always been a big Cleveland sports fan. Indians, Browns, Cavs, especially the Cavaliers within my friend group. Just gotten really into basketball and the NBA. So it's been what we stuck with and talked about most and kind of translated that into this podcast. Mark, what about you? Yeah, same here. Uh, my name is Mark Canterbury. I am, you know, a big Cleveland sports fan as well. I'm from Cleveland. I actually currently live in Cleveland. I have lived other places in between but my loyalty has always stayed here in the land. Kyle and I have been friends for a long time, and we've been Cavs fans for even longer. So this was kind of an easy decision for us to, you know, combine some of our most joyful activities together, which is, you know, hanging out with friends and talking about the Cavs. So we figured we'd bring that to everyone, and that's, that's what we're doing here. Yeah, we're happy to do it. Getting into the roster as we approach the draft, want to give me a good breakdown of what you think the needs are, maybe what you think we've already filled in terms of roles on the team, just generally how you're approaching analyzing the players in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, going into this draft, it's obvious that the Cavs have needs. Uh, a lot of them. Most of them. I think there are, <laughs> yeah, I think there are a few points in which we are, I'm not going to say perfect, but solid. Obviously, we're a little stronger on the wings than some other places. I, uh, I'm i still a big believer in Chetty Osman. I think he's a great backup small forward. I think Kevin Porter Jr. will, if you're true Cavs Talk podcast fans, you know that Kevin Porter Jr. has been my guy since day one. I still think that he is the answer at small forward for Cleveland. I think that at the guard positions, obviously, we're, we're strong based on our draft picks. I will admit, I'm not a huge Darius Garland fan. Um, he's very inefficient on offense. 
I, I think he's a great kid. I think he plays really hard. I, I like him a lot, but I don't think he is the Cavs' answer at shooting guard moving forward. Uh, so I wouldn't be maybe as wary of drafting a shooting guard as some other people. But I think Colin Sexton's a developing. He's definitely getting better. He's a good point guard. And I think we're strong at the guards. We're, we're decent on the wings. I think uh, clearly a bid need here is at the bid man position because Tristan Thompson is both on an inspiring contract and not the player he once was. Kevin Love, you know, obviously a bid time, you know, all-time Cavalier. We, we love him here in Cleveland. But he is expensive, and he is old, and he is not getting any better. So I think those are definitely some things we need to look at moving forward. And then I'm, I'm not even going to talk about Andre Drummond because I don't, I just don't like him. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we definitely need a big man. I think infusing some more offensive talent into this lineup is a good thing. I wouldn't be opposed to signing a guard if they have the right offensive skill set because I don't think Darius Garland is it. But yeah, that's that's where I'd say we are as a team right now. How about you, Kyle? What do you think? I agree on just about everything. Um, I think our guards are probably the strongest in terms of our team. I like Darius Garland more than you do. I see him as the point guard of the team, and I see Colin Sexton as the shooting guard of the team in terms of Garland's playmaking abilities, but maybe a lack of one-on-one scoring opportunities. And then Sexton's kind of the exact opposite. He is... I think last year we talked about him being kind of a bulldozer, just going towards the rim over and over and over. Doesn't really pass the ball very well, but developing into a really good scorer, especially at the rim in the league. Yeah. And then, yeah, I do like our wings quite a bit. Dylan Windler, didn't really get to see him too much last year, but the Cavs seem super high on him. I like him a lot, and I hope he shows up this year. Also like Jetty Osman. Completely agree. And this is the case with a lot of players on the team. Jetty is a good role player and probably not even a sixth man, maybe a seventh or eighth guy who can come in off the bench and fill the role effectively. And he's not going to drag down that second unit too much. Kevin Porter Jr., obviously hoping, as you are, that he (laughs) will be a great player in the first unit, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I think he's got a lot of talent and he's probably the guy I project as having the highest ceiling on the roster currently. And then concurring with you in terms of our bigs, Tristan Thompson, expiring contract, Kevin Love, unfortunately not an expiring contract, (laughs) Andre Drummond, expiring contract, but kind of negligible at this point. I see the big as being the big position for us to fill right now, especially while we have those veterans. I think they can serve as good teachers, good mentors to whoever we draft if we do draft a big, even if we don't want Kevin Love maybe Tristan Thompson here in the future, they'll be able to help that big transition into the NBA and fill their shoes. So getting into the draft, we wanted to format this in a way that we would project the top 10 players we would like to see the Cavs draft. Disregarding the chances that these players fall to the Cavs as they have the fifth pick, we'll still include all the players at the top of the most mock drafts you'll see and just go through our top 10 players you'd like to see the Cavs pick. So my number one player that I'd like to see the Cavs pick, if he does fall to number five, would be Anthony Edwards. Like I said, I'm most optimistic about the Cavaliers at the guard position with Garland and Sexton, but I still think the team lacks a really big lock at any position. There's no player on the team who has their spot locked down regardless of who comes into the team. So I think Anthony Edwards would be a guy you can slot into the guard position, and maybe he's better than Garland or Sexton. And that's a good thing. We have competition at that position. If he takes their starting spot and performs better, I'm happy about that. I think he's one of the few guys in the draft who can do that. How about you? 
Actually, in, in this instance, Kyle, I absolutely agree. I also think Anthony Edwards would be the number one pick if he did fall to the Cavs. I believe that he has the most NBA-ready body uh, out of anyone in the draft. I believe that he is the most ready to contribute to winning basketball. He, in terms of offensive production, I would compare him to a Donovan Mitchell almost in terms of he's that kind of prospect. So I, I think that in terms of talent, I think he's a clear cut above uh, 99% of this draft. And I think at that point, you kind of have to take that over the position he plays. And because of that, I believe Anthony Edwards realistically is, is the consensus number one and, and is that for a reason. Agreed. Yeah, we were talking even before we started recording about how if the Cavs could get even like a superstar light player, we have a decent amount of guys who maybe are already solid or are younger and we hope will develop into solid players. But to compete and kind of go deep into the playoffs in the NBA, you need at least a superstar light player. And I think Donovan Mitchell is a really good example of that. So I really like that comparison. Obviously, both of us don't think he's going to drop to five, might not even drop to two, but Anthony Edwards would be our number one pick. Number two pick for me would be James Wiseman. I think he and Anthony Edwards are the two guys you want to pick regardless of fit. Just in terms of straight talent, raw potential, those would be the two guys I would pick if I was an NBA team, regardless of whether I have a need for them on my roster. James Wiseman has been talked about as being a really raw player. Might need the most development out of anyone in the draft, but I think he's a really great big and I think that he'd be someone who would thrive under the tutelage of Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, and Andre Drummond. How about you? Well, Kyle, I think this is our first disagreement of the night. I think there's one other player in this draft that fits the talent criteria that I was describing with Anthony Edwards, and I believe that that's LaMelo Ball. I would take LaMelo Ball second. If, if he could fall to the Cavs, that's who I would take, and here's why. LaMelo Ball possesses a couple things that 99% of other players going into the draft don't. One, he's already got professional experience. Making the move to go play in Australia rather than going to college, something we're seeing a lot of prospects do more and more, not necessarily Australia, but overseas in general. And I think that there is value in that high-level, you know, against grown men basketball experience that LaMelo Ball has. And clearly he's shown that he can still be, you know, competitive at that level, very competitive and dominant at that level. So I think that speaks a lot to the polish of his play. And then on top of that, his playmaking is what I would call transcendent. He's got all-star to superstar level ball handling and playmaking. And I think when you have a skill of that caliber, you you put that above being well-rounded in certain instances. And I think on top of that, you combine that he's, you know, part of the ball family. He's used to the media in his face. He's used to the big moment. He's used to being the guy. So day one, he offers veteran experience. He offers composure, media readiness. I think he's a good fit to any NBA organization. And I think, personally, I think the Cavs would be lucky to have him. So yeah, I do have LaMelo Ball a couple spots down. I actually have him at four, and we'll get into that more because I want to go through this sequentially. But where do you have James Wiseman, if you don't mind me asking? He's going to be my third. Going to be your third. Okay, so coming up next. Well, in terms of LaMelo, I think he's just a risky pick. He is part of the Ball family, which is nice in terms of preparation for media. He's a flashy player, which means he's going to make a lot of cool plays, and he projects to be a really good playmaker. But we've got a team full of young guys progressing, learning the game. We've got a couple older guys who are mentoring those young guys through. And as good as LaMelo Ball might be, 
I don't want him to disrupt that locker room at all. You've got Garland, Sexton in there. They're progressing pretty well. I'm optimistic about how they're going to turn out. Lamelo Ball, I don't want a diva, essentially, coming into the locker room and bringing any toxicity in there. And for as many pros as the Ball family might have, I see that as a huge negative. No, I, I think that's totally fair. I, I would agree uh, that definitely he brings his own set of problems. You know, if, if you were to pit LaMelo Ball, you got to be all in on that. So I would say if you're the Cavs organization, that's the pick I would make. But if they're not sold on that, I would agree with you that it would be the wrong choice. I think if he was a big, I would be much more willing to take him because he at least wouldn't risk disrupting the chemistry between the guards at all. I agree. I could be wrong. I mean, I, I don't want to say that his ceiling isn't unbelievably high, but if he was the same player and just seemed more easy to work with, I'd be putting him probably at number one or number two, but I've got Wiseman there now. That's fair. I know you said you have Wiseman number three. I have Onyeka Ngonku. I see him as just below that threshold for players that you draft no matter what, if they're there, but I see him at the top of the list in terms of that next tier because he's the most well-rounded. He'd be mentored well by Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, as I've talked about before with James Wiseman. And while we have some promising young guys at the guard and forward positions, we have Sexton, we have Garland, we have Jetty, we have KPJ, we don't necessarily have that at big. With Kevin Love transitioning out of the team in his last couple years, who knows if Tristan's going to resign. I would assume Andre Drummond's not going to be here if he even lasts the year before he gets traded. Having someone who can come in and be that next big, big, right? Uh, is what I'd look for at that number three pick. How about you? Well, with the number three pick, like you said, I am looking for that next big bid, but since I didn't have Wiseman quite as high up as you did, that's why he slots in at three for me. I will agree with you that Onyeka Okonwu is extremely well-rounded, maybe the most well-rounded prospect in the draft. But, you know, with that well-roundedness, you're sacrificing ceiling, right? So I think in terms of the next big bid, I think James Wiseman really gives you what you're looking for. And I think that, like you said, he's unpolished, but he's a physical specimen. He's dominant, you know, offensively, defensively, just with his size and athleticism. And I think that that's something, especially as as we've mentioned before, with the Cavs rotation being so, I don't want to say light, but maybe old is the right word at, at the bid position, is I, I think that Wiseman would be a great pick. I do want to bring something up here. We seem like we agree on pretty much everything so far. We've both got Edwards and Wiseman in our top three. And I take this as symbolic of how LaMelo Ball would affect the Cavs locker room. He's disrupting <laughs> our draft, right? We've agreed on everything, and everyone would be in the same spot right. if it wasn't for LaMelo Ball. So I just want to throw that in okay. there. He's already screwing things up in Cleveland, <laughs> is, is my point. All right. All um, right. <laughs> I've got him at number four. Okay. I had him lower, and then we had talked before the podcast, and listening to you, I moved him up a decent bit. Despite my gripes with him in terms of his personality, him getting that pro experience in Australia is huge. That's just straight-up different than college ball. His attitude, effort, decision-making, they need a ton of work, but hey, I thought Lonzo was kind of a diva coming into the NBA, especially with the Ball family, and I think Lonzo has turned out pretty well. He's definitely got his flaws, but in terms of the locker room cancer or diva department i mean he's quieted down pretty pretty well and kind of distanced himself from his father so lamella ball just like i said about anthony edwards if you bring more competition to the guard position and you win out and you get that spot the team's gotten better so that'll challenge garland and sexton if they haven't been working hard already to work even harder 
can't do anything but benefit the team if Lamelo Ball turns out the way that scouts think he will. Who do you have at number four? At number four, and what's exciting about this is now we're kind of getting into the pitch that might actually come to Cleveland. That's true, yeah. A lot of these guys won't drop. Yeah, so I have, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, but I have Denny of Deja. I think that Denny of Deja is the best wing available in the draft. I think that he possesses a lot of skills that are NBA-ready. Great ball handler, he's, he's a pretty good playmaker, and he can create his own shot, which is really exciting. I think any NBA team would want his immediate offensive production. And the other thing to consider is that because he's an international prospect, I think that a lot of teams are looking at them a little maybe a little longer, maybe looking a little harder than they did previously. Now that we've seen, you know, the the Kristaps and the Luka Doncic's of the world and the Giannis's, I think that's really opened NBA scouting offices, opened their eyes to, to what's out there. And I think no one wants to be the guy who passes on the next big international star. So that's part of the reason why I have him so high is I also don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but he does have some weaknesses. He's definitely... Not the biggest player at 6'9". And then one thing that really concerns me is his free throw shooting percentage in college. He shot below 70%, which is pretty alarming, especially from a perimeter player who you want to contribute to your offense. Three-point shooting gets more and more important every year in the NBA. Free throw shooting in college is probably the best indicator of how that's going to turn out in the NBA. So that is a little bit concerning for scouts. But other than that, I think that he's a great kid. And I think that he'd be a good addition to any roster. Yeah, I totally agree about him. I don't think I can pronounce his name any better than you can. But I have him just a few spots lower at number six. As a good defensive and playmaking wing, I am not very excited about a player like that. But if you think about the way the Cavs are structured right now, you've already got Colin Sexton just running to the rim every chance he can to score. So you don't really need someone who is going to dominate the scoring aspect on the team. If he's a good defensive wing and is able to bring some playmaking to our offense, that might just help enable the offense to work more efficiently. At number five, I've got Isaac Okoro. He is kind of in the middle. We're getting into that range of players that don't really have any transcendent talents. They might be good at some things, bad at some things, or competent at just about everything. I think Isaac Okoro is the latter there, competent at just about everything. He's not the best scorer in the draft. He's not the best defender in the draft, but he's far from the worst. His free throw percentage scares me in terms of how it might translate into his offensive production in the NBA, but I think he'll be an immediate contributor on the team, and I think he's a really solid player who won't bring any glaring weaknesses. Who do you have at number five? At number five, I think the best pitch for the Cavs, and I think honestly the most realistic pitch in terms of who we're actually going to end up with, I would take Obi Toppin. Now the reason for this is Obi Toppin won almost every award in college basketball last year. He won National Player of the Year honors. Naismith, AP, and the John Wooden Awards. I mean, he's extremely decorated. He's clearly clearly risen above the pack in terms of production in college. Now, obviously, that's not always the best indicator of who's going to be the best player in the NBA once they you know cross over, but I think he's definitely shown the ability to perform at a high level. Now, pair that with the fact that he is kind of a tweener. He's 6'9", but he can play the 4, he can play a little bit of the 5, and he's got a 7'2 wingspan, so as he bulks up, he can potentially be a good defender at several positions. He's got pretty good jump shot for a big guy pretty good playmaker for a big guy he actually has close to a one assist to turnover ratio which for a big man in college is pretty good pretty good indicator of of good playmaking in the future you know he's not the fastest guy laterally but he's got good leaping skills and he's a good finisher at the rim 
So I, I think he's maybe the last player in the draft that's left that is a game changer. I think he has a lot of NBA-ready skills that maybe a lot of other players don't. He's ready to contribute offensively and at the rim. I think he would be great in the pick and roll with our young guards, and I think that he fits a need for us. So that's why I think not only is uh, do I have him fifth, but I think if we're talking about fit, I think he might be one of the best players in the draft for us. What do you think, Kyle? I think very highly of Obi offensively. One thing that I think will be a common theme between our top 10s is that my top 10 leans away from players who have glaring weaknesses. Obi isn't the most balanced player. He's an amazing offensive player and has shown that in college, like you mentioned. But for me, I don't want someone who's going to bring a hole towards the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've got enough of those already, especially on defense. One of, if not the worst defensive team in the league. For that reason, I have him a bit lower, but I do recognize his awesome offensive talent, and I think that'd be really exciting to watch. And as a net rating, he would probably be a net positive for the Cavs, which I would say for most of these guys. I just have him a little bit lower in my draft. At number six, we've already talked about him a bit. I do have Denny Advija. Like I said before, he could serve as a great enabler for our offense, as we have Sexton, who is a big scoring guard. We don't need another dominant guard or wing in terms of scoring potential so I think he'd be a good fit I have him there at number six kind of already talked about what I think about him who do you have at number six so at number six I have Isaac Okoro for a lot of the same reasons that you don't like some of the guys that I've been picking I like Isaac Okoro I think that he actually shores up a hole on our roster rather than contributing to more gaps He's an elite defender, which obviously ever, there's always a transition period from, from college to NBA in terms of defensive impact, but he's shown the tools and ability and, and motor to be an impactful defender uh, in college, and I think that will translate to the NBA. He's got good size for a small forward, 6'6", 225, but he's pretty athletic. He does need to develop offensively, but uh, I think with the offensive talent at the guard position that we already have, I think having a strong defensive wing would help the team a lot. And I think Isaac Okoro brings a lot of those things to us. I, I think he does have some offensive weaknesses, and he definitely wouldn't be a focal point. But I think that he'd be a good pickup, and he would shore up the defense in, in a big way. Agreed. So I talked about Isaac a little bit earlier. Just think he's a really competent guy. Like you said, superb defender. You can never get too many of those. I have him a little bit higher. Him and Denny are kind of interchangeable for me. Would be happy with either one of them. At 7, I've got Killian Hayes. He's one of the highest rated prospects in the draft, but someone I've seen fluctuate on a lot of mock drafts online. Has a great left hand, isn't as great with his right hand in terms of his dribbling and playmaking ability, but seems to be able to put himself in a position to succeed regardless, just off raw talent. Seems to have a lot more upside than just being another good or competent guard on the team, but is someone I still rate well below Anthony Edwards, but higher than maybe someone like Tyrese Halliburton, who I have later on in this mock draft. Who do you have at number seven? At number seven, I've got Onyeka Adonku. Now, I know you had him at three, and I don't think it was a bad decision to have him at three. I think he's the last player on my list that really has elite skills. He's an elite defender, which obviously would be a great fit for the Cavs. He's a great finisher at the rim. He's very athletic. He can play on offense and defense, and in that sense, he'd be able to contribute to winning NBA games immediately, and I think that's a great thing. 
My issue with Onyeka and the reason why I have him at seven is offensively, he's a little too patient. He sometimes doesn't force the issue, even if he has the athletic or physical advantage. He's not very polished in terms of post-play. You know, he shot a high percentage at the rim, but a big reason for that was just that he's an elite physical talent. He's got great positioning, and he's just stronger than a lot of kids in college. So I think once he translates to the NBA, he's going to need to develop his offensive skills a lot more if he's going to be a superstar-level talent, which is why I have him seventh. But in terms of coming in day one, contributing to winning basketball and filling up a need for the Cavs, I think he'd be excellent. So that's why I have him at seven. And if Obi's not available, I know this kind of doesn't make sense because I have Toro at six. But if Obi's not available, I think Otonwu is my next favorite player for Cleveland. Yeah, not much more to add there. I, I agree pretty much on everything, just to a greater degree. I think even more highly of him than you think in terms of the positives you highlighted. At number eight, I've got Patrick Williams. I like him quite a bit. Classic player that fits my mold of what a good NBA player might be. Seems very intelligent and plays within the team. Like I said, doesn't bring any glaring weaknesses to the team. Maybe not some superstar upside, but we can always take another solid wing to go with Jetty and Dylan Windler. Turnovers in his footwork seem to be issues, but I think those are coached more easily than some of the other issues we talked about with some of the players in this draft. And that's another common theme for me. Coaching someone to be a great shooter seems like it is a bit more difficult than working on something as simple as footwork. And I don't want to say footwork simple, but you see a lot of players come into the league and scouts question their free throw percentage, for instance, like we've talked about. They might not become a great shooter as evidenced by their free throw shooting in college or overseas, whatever you want to say. So someone who doesn't project to be a good shooter based on stats or form worries me a lot more than something like footwork or ball handling decisions, something like that. Patrick Williams, for that reason, I rate him a little bit more highly and think he's a much risk-averse player. Who do you have at number eight? At number eight, I have Killian Hayes for a lot of the same reasons that you touched on previously. I think he's got good size for a point guard. He's 6'5". He's got good wingspan. He's a pretty good athlete. He's not an elite athlete, which I think holds him back compared to a couple guards in this class. He's got decent range. He's a great ball handler and a great passer. Really good at running the pick and roll. Uh, In that sense, he'd be able to contribute right away. But defensively, he's not amazing. He's got length, but he's not a great one-on-one defender yet, and that's something that takes a long time and is never a guarantee to develop in the NBA, so I think that's something that scouts need to look at. He's not an elite athlete, and he's not the world's best shooter. I think if his shot develops to the point where it matches the rest of his offensive game, I think he'd be very dangerous, but I think at this point, he's definitely a lottery pick. He's definitely got a lot of talent, but he's a slight project, so that's why I have him at eighth. What about you, Kyle? What do you got for number nine? Number nine, I got Obi Toppin. Like I said, he's a little bit lower for me. Offensive production seems like it would translate immediately to the NBA. The defense is just too much of a hole for me. I'm still going to be pretty happy if we get him. He's just not as far up there as he is for you. Who do you have at nine? At number nine, I've got Tyrese Halliburton. And the reason I have him at number nine is not necessarily because I think he's the ninth best player in the draft, but I think he maybe is the ninth best fit for Cleveland. He's a point guard who's a little bit undersized, and if you've looked at the roster lately, we kind of don't need any more of those. What I will say about him, he's just a great shooter. In terms of the shooting percentages on paper, he looks like he's NBA-ready. And My only concern there is he's kind of a Lonzo ball case where he's got a weird release. It's a little bit slow, so that might not translate to the NBA quite as well. 
But if the percentages hold up, he's a big guard who can play the one or the two. He's got a pretty good wingspan, and he's a good shooter. And I think any any team in the NBA, their development department's probably pretty excited about a player like that. So that's why I've got him at nine. All right, Kyle, rounding it out. Who you got for number 10? So I've actually got Tyrese at number 10. Oh. A lot of the same commentary that you provided there. He kind of feels like another Garland to me, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's always nice to have someone reliable, a hard worker, has limited downside. Like I said, I appreciate that a lot in these prospects, even if his ceiling is way lower than some of the others. Like you said, he's a smaller guy, and we don't really need another small guard on the team. But should there really be two Darius Garlands on the Cleveland Cavaliers? I'm not completely sure. I don't think it's a huge negative at all. Darius Garland is obviously a productive player. He works efficiently and seems to be developing into a nice point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe having another version of him coming off the bench would be a great thing to lead that second unit. I think highly of him just in terms of his reliability. And that's what I'm looking for at this stage in our top 10. If we haven't gotten one of those top nine players I've projected, I want someone reliable who's going to come in and positively impact the team. Who do you have at number 10? Uh, Number 10, I've got a bit of a sleeper. Uh, I think depending on how he develops in the NBA, he could be you know, better than maybe three or four or five of the guys on this list. Maybe he's worse than, you know, five more. I'm not sure. But at number 10, I've got Sadiq Bey. He's a 6'8 forward with good size at his position, and he's an absolute dead-eye shooter, which is probably the most exciting thing about him. Uh, He shot over 41% from three in college at two seasons at Villanova on 308 attempts, so you know his range is for real. He's a versatile defender. He can guard one through four, and that's a really exciting thing about him, especially in today's NBA with all the switching on pick and rolls and all the perimeter players. Everyone shoots the three nowadays, so someone who can switch and guard one through four is really valuable. That's one of the reasons why I think he could potentially maybe outperform my ranking I have him at here. Now, in terms of weaknesses, he's got a lot of those, which is why I think he maybe would underperform. He's a little bit limited as a ball handler. He moves pretty well, but he's not... He doesn't have that elite quickness, so it's debatable as to whether or not he can, you know, stay in front of people uh, at an NBA level. But that three-point shooting and that defensive versatility is really what stands out to me, and that's why that's why he made my top ten. Yeah, I project him as being a really good three and D player, which is getting more and more important in today's NBA, especially with how prominent the three ball has become. I think he'd be a pretty good contributor coming into the Cavs. Can't really go wrong signing a three and D guy let alone drafting one, and I think he could develop into something even better than that. So I think that's a solid pick, and always nice to throw a ringer in there, someone who, if he turns out really well, becomes a NBA legend, you'll be able to bring that up later on, saying he was in your top ten. Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. Part 2, baby. We're hearing it all year. <laughs> Sadiq Bey. Well, that's our top ten. We'll see how that draft pans out November 18th. Cavs drafting at the number five position, assuming they keep that pick and don't trade it away. You can keep up with us on Twitter. We'll be posting more content on there leading up to the draft and on draft day. We'll be looking to record one to two episodes per week at about a half hour to 45 minute length, going over the Cavs games for that week, recaps, news, projections, whatever comes up at the time. Stay tuned with that. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys. It was a lot of fun doing a deep dive into the draft and seeing what kind of talent is out there. And I'm really excited to talk about the Cavs and and how we develop moving forward. And I I think Kyle feels the same way. And we we may have some guest appearances, some friends on the podcast occasionally as we move forward. We love talking to people who love Cleveland and love Cleveland sports. 
So thank you everyone so much for listening. Make sure you hit that share button on your way out. Hit that follow button on whatever platform you're looking at this on. Thank you so much again and go Cleveland. Go Cavs.